another episode of International Immersion, a podcast that seeks to capture the combined experiences of people, culture, places, traveling, current events, living abroad, and everything that comes along with them. For today's episode, we have a very unique account from one of my former colleagues from graduate school in that because of the situation with COVID-19, in order to travel or to enter countries, there may be a wide range of procedures that people have to go through. And my guest today is someone who has traveled to and from and is now back in mainland China and can give us a good idea of what it takes to both leave and enter the country. So it's wonderful to have you today, Jing. I hope you've been well, and I know you're currently on quarantine right now. Yes. So if you want, maybe you can give us a little bit of background about a little bit of background about you, and then we'll kind of go into the topic. So I'm working at an international school in Hangzhou. You know, we've kind of been, the country's kind of been under lockdown since last year. There were a lot of policy changes, right? So in the beginning, they were saying that if you leave the country, your visa gets, your visa gets canceled automatically. Later, they changed, they lift the policy and saying that, you know, if your visa expires, you know, before or after the state, then you're allowed to re-enter if you're out of the country, etc. So anyways, I had a family situation where I just had to, I just had to leave. So luckily, you know, um, they weren't canceling visas this time. But you know, they're allowing people that has that have valid uh, work visa to come back, right. So I decided that, you know, to just to just go home for my family situation. So yeah, so and then you know, of course, there's policy changes in the U.S. as well, because um, initially they were allowing U- U.S. citizens to go to, to go back without any, you know, requirements in, in terms of COVID testing, whatnot. Then I think starting like December or something, they, the policy changed where even uh, as a U.S. citizen, in order to go back, you have to test negative before you can board the airplane. So... So I went, I did that. So the airline said that they want, they require the report to be translated into English. So, but you know, most of the hospitals in China, they, the reports are only in Chinese. So I actually had to pay like another 400 RMB just to get it translated by the international department. I see. Yeah, so, so that's about, yeah, 60. So basically, yeah, know, about, because of the family situation you had, you had to prepare the documentation to come back because by this point, the U S was now requiring, you know, confirmation that you've been tested or were negative. So you went to the hospital, you got your test, but because as you mentioned, a lot of hospitals in China don't translate in English, you had to pay another service to do that. And so in total, how much did that all cost you in USD? Okay. So the test was about, the test was about maybe $13 and then the translation about $50. So total about $60, $65 just to get the COVID. To get the test just and to get the translation. I mean, compared to most right, US right. healthcare rates, that's actually not a lot, but still, I mean. No, it's not a lot. Yeah. And then the flight was about $900 one way. Wow. That's actually rather cheap because I've seen flights 
because I've heard some people that they went back and it cost them over you know, up to $2,000. Well, coming back was 2,600. So oh my I, Lord. Pay, so I pay, it was much know, cheaper to, to go to the U S versus to go into, in, into China. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, yeah. there's a, sometimes there's yeah, a well, like that. Yeah. Actually coming back, the flight that I bought was only $400, uh, about $500, but because my plans changed and then I couldn't, so I had to cancel the cheap, the cheap flight that I bought. And then I had to repurchase, um, another, you know, the new Ouch. flight, which cost me $2,600. Yeah. So, and because the policy changed again, because I think before March, uh, you're, you're allowed to do, like, you're allowed to fly through different country so if i flew through canada and then to china it would have been like 1400 but then the, they changed the policy where you must fly direct from us to china or from you know from your home country to china so unless your home country doesn't have a direct flight then you may do the transfer um, but if your home country has direct flight you must book a direct flight and I think because of that and then also because you know the airlines weren't getting full flights anyways so they had to raise the price so um yeah I ended up paying um 2600 to come back that's that's unreal I mean I've paid for expensive flights in, yeah. you know, before but that's I mean for one way that's absurd but I you know desperate yeah they're gonna have but, to prices etc they keep keep their you know keep it ends yeah yeah yeah, so so yeah, so that's all I needed to do to, to go to go back to the US. It was just the COVID test was like sixty dollars and then my flight ticket, you know, was about um eight hundred, nine hundred, I can't remember, something like that. So yeah, so so it was fairly smooth, you know. So there once, a basically lot of once you got the test and you got the flight, what was it like when you actually, okay, my flight's tomorrow, I'm going to prep. What did you have to, how was it like to prep? And then how was it at the airport up until you like took off? Okay. So, so when I, when I was leaving, um, they were having lockdowns in different parts of Shanghai. So my husband was, was supposed to, was going to take me to Shanghai, but then his company refused to let him leave the city because you know it's during the the chinese new year mm -hmm. area so the the government uh the local government are discouraging people to travel so they were actually giving uh, people incentives to stay in the city and there's some companies just like my my husband's company they just refused to let people leave the city period so he couldn't he ended up not being able to take me to the airport so i ended up getting a cab where i pay $50 equivalent to $50, like $50 to okay, get me to the airport. So I, I can took, see I took the taxi, China, that's like, expensive, like, but I mean, compared to the U S that's nothing, but Hangzhou is about three hours yeah, right. from Shanghai further East. So, wow. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I would imagine yeah. maybe even more. No, normally it's 800. Okay. So the reason why it's 350, because I, we booked a, like one of those lift, it's like a lift where like a, mm, you know, it's, Not, it's, it's this, this thing where, yeah, like they, they were on their way anyways. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've taken those in the past in China where, yeah, basically people who are 
going somewhere and they say, Hey, I have an extra spot. I'll, I'll charge right. you. But you didn't take like an actual right, taxi. Right. You took, you know, basically like a ride share. Exactly. So, but actually the guy who was doing it, he was doing it not for ride share. He, this is what he does on weekends. So he'll, he'll, he'll take someone to hundred, uh, to the airport and then he'll come back with another person. So he makes a hundred dollars. Well, I mean, it's, I remember even before COVID when I lived in China, there were a lot of people who did that because I used some of yeah. them to some places and yeah, people could make a little, it was just extra side money for them. So, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was good. I mean, it was, yeah, it was convenient. Yeah. So because normally, you know, I could have taken a, a bus, right? The airport that's, bus, that's but then they were, yeah. those weren't operating. Yeah. So they, they were out of operation. So you know, the government stopped them from giving rides, right? So, and then my husband's not allowed. So it's just a lot of restrictions where transportation was so restricted. It's, 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 yeah. So your only option would just be to get a taxi or, you know, one of those ride shares, whatnot. So anyways, I got to the airport and we were the only flight leaving that night. So the whole airport, it was just our- um, The whole airport for international departures or, or domestic or both? International, the whole, okay, so the international. whole international section of Pud- of Shanghai Pudong, yours was the only flight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were the only flight and there were about 70 of us. Okay. That's, that, that's nuts because I myself have been through Pudong and it's always just raging with people. I mean, it's not like shoulder to shoulder, but it's always very crowded. I can't imagine yeah. that huge terminal being empty. I mean, that would be, that'd be frightening. <laughs> like, where is everybody? <laughs> Yeah, it's quite shocking. I, I mean, I heard about it, but then I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I just couldn't imagine how, how it would be, you know, until I got there. And I was just really shocked. Um, so we got there and then we had to, there's a QR code where you had to fill out all your information, okay, to leave. So you, you, you do the QR code via WeChat and then you get, you get a code or something and then you go to the counter and then you show the person, uh, you, you show the uh, person at the counter your COVID test result. result and then the, the QR code that you just got after, you know, from filling out all the, the customs information about leaving, like where you're, where, where you came from. Okay. And then where you're going and then your passport information, whatnot. So, yeah, so I just did that. And then I, and, and then I went in through security and I thought I could get dinner in there or something, you know, get something to eat. But when I got in, nothing was open. Oh, no. Like the, the airport was just dead. Nothing was open. So, we're, we're, you know. Because so, so so all the I restaurants were closed. But what about like currency yeah. exchange, uh, other shops? No, nothing. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. Nothing. Everything was closed. You know, and I even got there early. I got there like three hours early, you know, so. I was just like so shocked at um, how empty and quiet it was. And then, you know, I ended up just sitting at, at a cafe because, you know, it was just not open anyway. So I sat wherever I wanted. So <laughs> I sat at a, at a cafe that was not even open um, and just, you know, rested a little bit. Um, but yeah, I kind of regretted not bringing any snacks and stuff because I, I, I really thought that restaurants will be open but or I, no, you know it was just one seven, cafe or one place to buy something open. no but, <laughs> nothing well yeah nothing. that that must have been quite annoying because i mean 
in three hours time, usually some, most people would get a little hungry or thirsty. Well, I mean, there's water fountain, so I got some water. <laughs> uh, at least, at least they kept those on, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then now you're at the airport, you're waiting around, everything's closed. So finally you're getting ready to board. Were there any, was there anything unique when they, when you were boarding or getting situated to, to take off? No, nothing unique. You know, you just board. And then when I got on the plane, so everybody, so if, so because there was, there were only 70 of us, literally we can all sit on separate rows. So on my row, I had, you know, I, it was ABC, right? So I had the A seat. I, I was A and then there's nobody in B and then somebody is at, was at C. And then the flight attendant came and asked the person, um, you know, at, at C to move to an empty row because there was just so much space. So I ended up just having the whole row to myself. And I looked around and everybody had their own. Did the plane have like, uh, like three seats, aisle, three seats, aisle, three seats, aisle? It was three, four, and three. Wow. So you had that whole row to yourself, even though divided by the, wow. (laughs) That's never a luxury you get in uh, economy. (laughs) No, so I got the three, the row of three, right? But then, like all around me, I, there are empty seats everywhere. Wow, that's 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 definitely got to be different because I've never been on a flight where it's been that light. I've seen some light it's, flights, but nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a first for me too. So <laughs> definitely, like I think once in a lifetime. For sure, you know, and hey, it it it's yeah. taking a pandemic to do that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, took, so I, I pretty off, much. And then you're flying. Yeah. And then what was it like when you, when you arrived in San Francisco? So, you know, we were all so nervous about flying. Right. So I, so this is the first time I'm on an international flight. Okay. Where I didn't eat and drink anything throughout the flight. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't eat and drink and go to the bathroom at all. 15 hours. Okay, I could see not eating for that period of time, but I mean, but how can you not use the restroom? I mean, you, your biological functions, my goodness. I just, I, I literally, I was, I, I just, you know, because I had the whole row, so I just laid, I just, I just left, you know, because we left at like, uh, I think we left at like eight o'clock or something like that. So, yeah, so I just left through most of the flight and then, you know, I had the movie on. Um, the whole time, you know, I just keep watching, not watching. I was just having my headphone on and I just left through and, you know, cause we were, my husband was just like, just, you know, trying not to take off your mask if you don't have to, you know? So I was like, I had my mask on the whole time. So you're, you're not allowed to take off your mask. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to bother with eating, drinking. And then, you know, then I wouldn't have to go to the bathroom, which I didn't. So I don't know. So that was also first. No idea. The last of those things. (laughs) So anyways, I got, so the plane landed and then uh, we all got off. I was, you know, I always get emotional every time I come back to the U S because, you know, I, it's like, you've been gone for so long and then you come back and you just, you feel the sense of like coming home, right? And I love the customs, you know, the U.S. Um, at immigration, they always say welcome home. And that always gets me all emotional because I feel like, oh, you know, you know it's just, mm-hmm. I, it's just every time I hear it, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's just amazes me. 
um, and that feeling of like, okay, this is home, you know? So anyways, I went through customs. Uh, the guy checked my passport and asked me, you know, where I, where um, you were coming from, asked me, you know, yeah, where I was coming from and why and what I did. And I told him, kind of tested me. He was like, oh, what do you do? I said, I'm a teacher. What do you teach? And I said, oh, I teach classical history. And he goes, oh, what's that all about? You know, and I kind of <laughs> told him a little bit about that. I felt like he was just testing me. <laughs> so, and yeah, then, well, yeah, it was my like experience really with, with okay. customs and immigration in the U.S., you know, even if you're a U.S. citizen, sometimes they will kind of inquire when I came back from uh, flying through Amsterdam, yeah. and really critiqued everyone because, you know, it's Amsterdam and, and I was really tired, of course. And the guy was just being a little testy. And I'm basically was like, look, I've been awake for so yada, yada hours. So naturally, yeah. I'm comfortable. So, but no, to answer your question, I did not know, no, and no. <laughs> yeah. So then I was kind of waiting for him to ask me like, oh, where are you going to, where are you going to stay? What's your phone number? You know, taking down that kind of information, right. To track me if, you know, because you just, you just came from a, a, you know, you just came internationally, like, you know, in my mind, I guess I, I've been in China so long that I, you know, I'm so used to being tracked that I'm just kind of surprised that throughout this whole process, nobody asked like where, you know, for an address or phone number or anything, you know, and then he's like, okay, you know, enjoy, you know, welcome home. And then, and then I walked out I was like, that's it? It's kind of really surprised. Um, and then when I got out um, uh, into San Francisco airport, the international terminal uh, to the baggage claim, and I realized that we were the only flight as well coming into San Francisco that night. And that was shocking because there was like nobody um, in the airport. It was just it was like the 70 of us. airport in a way. It's just... Yeah, it was just ghost airport. Yeah, it was so quiet. And then I was like, man, this is so safe. There's nowhere safer than this. I mean, there was like nobody, you know, like I don't have to interact with anybody. You bring, so, up, a really, my brother you bring up a really good point there because having lived in China myself, yeah, you're used to being like tracked or, you know, the information or just, you know, report, not reporting it, but just, you know, have, you know, being, being, in situations where they want information, I think, as you've mentioned before. So the, yeah, that's one thing. Yeah. Now that I'm back in the U.S., it's it's definitely different. And I, I, I like to say that, like, you know, it just feels like it feels more a little more relaxed because like there it's like, you, you, there's, yeah. like, oh, you have to scan this. You have to do that, especially now with the, with the pandemic. I can't imagine what it's like now. But even before, there definitely were differences. So that so, yeah, naturally that when I came back, I was like, oh, that's it. OK. Yeah. It's like a little reverse culture shock, as you mentioned. It's like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> if you go there for a couple of weeks, right. it's different. But in our case, yeah. if you live there for, for, period, for longer periods of time, especially you. Right. That's going to cause a little more like, yeah. oh, our brains re we yeah. re rewiring here. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then and then over here, you kind of just give that information so freely. You don't even question. You don't even care. You just like, okay, fine. You know, whatever information. You want my passport number? Fine. You want my ID? Fine. You know, like, I'll give you whatever you want. You know, just just let me go. Very, very different. Uh, yeah, so especially pandemic, right? During the pandemic, because China is just so strict. So, you know, I got, I got out and then and my brother picked me up and I was like, so I was asking him, I was like, 
so am I supposed to just stay home? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Am I like, I don't, I, I didn't even, I still felt very weird that I am not being forced into quarantine somewhere. You know, I was just like still kind of in unbelief, like, okay, so I'm just gonna go walk out like that. And then nothing is expected of me. So till the next day to kind of like, to realize, okay, so nobody's gonna come. <laughs> Actually a couple of days, really. I'm like, wait, so really nobody's gonna come look for me? Yeah, yeah so, that, that's, yeah, that's definitely. And I was like afraid to leave the house because yeah yeah i was literally afraid to leave the house because i was in my mind i'm like okay well i read somewhere that you're not you know you should be in quarantine for 10 days but then nobody is keeping track of anything so i was kind of not so yeah anyways but you know by the fourth day i was like oh okay you know what i'm I'm a free person Yeah, that's definitely an adjustment. But yeah, I mean, because I know people like, you know, as you mentioned, mentioned later about when you went back to China, it was an entirely different story. But yeah, it had to be a bit quite a shock to come in and have this very lax period of just reacclimation and not having to really quarantine or being forced to do anything. It was more just re- recommendations or suggestions and, you know, and not being tracked or being asked for a QR code or asked for your ID or asked for things like that. Yeah. Well, that well, yeah. well, I think that's that's quite interesting. I think for a lot of our viewers, especially American viewers, that that, that definitely I think is will be a bit eye opening to hear to hear all of this because a lot of them, you know, I think a lot of people they get quite uncomfortable with the idea of being tracked like that. I understand why it's why it's being done over there to make sure that they can keep you know keep it you know the lid on the pot you could say with the situation, but. I think for a lot of Americans, that really <laughs> can it is a, makes them quite uneasy. Yeah, it makes you appreciate the freedom more. Yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely something to be said there. But um, no, but I really appreciate you sharing kind of your your story about you know from planning to come back to the U.S. because of a family situation to you know getting everything you need, you know, or getting ready to go, the the flight arrival, and then the subsequent steps afterward. My last question for the for this is. You know, after you arrived and kind of had settled in, what what did you think of like the life back here during pandemic in the U.S. versus pandemic time in China? Definitely a lot more freedom over here, but I realized that people were actually very self aware as well because I think I didn't think that people would be wearing wearing masks, and so I thought that was kind of interesting because I thought that you know a lot of people would be anti mask. Oh, there still are, unfortunately, but I have found that throughout the course of the pandemic, it's definitely caught on more, but it definitely took time. Yeah. So the other, so the prop, so then (laughs) the funny thing is then I would often go out forgetting to wear the mask because in China, we don't wear a mask anymore. So, and then I'm like, oh shoot, you know, I forgot my mask. So it's like, again, another reversal, right? So it's like in China, it's like very, you know, we, we it's, it's pandemic, but then uh, we're not in an emergency situation anymore. So we haven't had the need to wear a mask for almost nine months now, right? So, so then coming back to the U.S., like being in the U.S., like going out, when you go outdoors, you have to put on a mask, actually becomes weird for me. So I wasn't getting used to that. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would make sense because you come from, you, you know, in China, it was very strict for a while, then it laxed up as things got better. And now you come back here where it's still required in most places, or at least more, most urban centers, because I have noticed that the smaller the community community you go to, the less people wear masks. And in some cases, they don't wear them at all if it's really small or, or rural. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, yeah, that definitely, yeah, that definitely had to kind of be kind of a, you know, <laughs> throw you a lot of curveballs, kind of just kind of reacclimating and seeing how people do it. But yeah, that's one thing I think a lot of people here by them taking on masks and, and wearing them, that actually did surprise me because I personally thought that that would be, be met with a lot of resistance and it has been, but it's actually been, you know, at least in a lot of areas that I've seen, people are pretty consistent in doing it and everyone wearing a mask, you know, because at first I didn't see a lot, but as it got, as it progressed, literally everyone in my area, at least has been wearing masks every now and yeah. I'll see a few people that don't, but if I've gone to other areas, further further afoot from larger cities oh yeah then not many people have them at all and then but i think it just comes down to a, a wide range of factors so that was interesting for me too and then now coming back to china that's a whole another story which we can we can pick up on another episode but you know i just wanted to thank you very much for sharing your experience i think you've given everyone a great depiction of what it's what is required at least uh back from around february time to actually come do to come back to the u.s because as you said, the policies are constantly in flux, but it gives people an yeah. idea of just how tedious it is now to travel internationally, especially if you have an emergency or you have to. Yeah, it just makes traveling that much more tedious. Yeah, it's just, you know, it makes you not want to travel. Yeah, it takes the fun away from it because, oh, if I go anywhere, I have to quarantine or, oh, I have to go through all this testing or I have to get checked or yeah, I'm going to be yeah. watched. It's yeah, It makes it, you know, yeah. counterproductive and and like you said, in many cases, it's going to cost you more money and time. And it's like, why would I sacrifice those things? I'll rather wait until things are back to normal. But, you know, who knows when that will be right. globally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, uh, I really, like I said, I really appreciate the time. So, yeah, before we uh, end, end this call, do you have any recommendations for anyone who's traveling right now, especially maybe to China or the U.S.? Um. I mean, coming to China right now, it you, the policies change all the time. So you really have to check with the embassy first. I made that mistake of not checking first, so I can share that next time. But yeah, just checking with the embassy for the latest updates and, and then just follow the um, procedures. As far as coming back to the U.S., I, I'm, I'm pretty grateful. You know, the U.S. is being still lenient, you know, relative to China as far as for um, the citizens to return. So it's just coming back to China is, is a lot more complicated than going back to the U.S. No, you make but, it- you know, I can imagine it being the same for a non-U.S. citizen to go to China, uh, to go to the U.S. At, the, at this time, it would be very complicated as well. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's just difficult. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, that's the one difference you've noticed is that for Americans returning, it's they keep it, they've kept it rather simple. Whereas if you're a native, if you're a president or citizen of, of China. I mean, if you're a Chinese um, citizen right now, I, I don't know if, if, if the country is open to non-citizens or non-permanent residents, or it's only open to specific visa holders. 
So, so I haven't, you know, done any research on that because, you know, I don't belong into that category. But mm-hmm. I can I can tell you about, you know, a non-Chinese citizen that is, you know, that was for me. So, and then I could only imagine it being the same for a, a Chinese national wanting to go to the U.S. during this time. I think it's always reciprocated. Yes, because I do know that at least last time I checked the M- the consulates and I think are still closed to, for visa appointments now for Chinese to come to the U.S. So I think it's near very difficult or vice versa. Yeah. Unless like in your situation, since you have, since you work there, you have a visa. So that's kind of your end. But if you didn't have any of that, it'd be, I think, quite a different story. Right. And, you know, I think with the um, diplomacy and politics, they always do the same thing. Like if, you know, country A does this to country B, then country B does the same thing to country A. So I yeah, feel like, yeah, it's just, yep. it's, it's, all, yeah, it's just a reciprocity. You give, they do something, it's just right. back and forth. Right. Well, well, Jing, I really appreciate it again. And, you know, I think you've, you've made some great points and I think you really kind of highlighted what it's like for a non-Chinese citizen or, you know, permanent resident to be able to travel, you know, back to the U.S. And then on our next episode, we'll talk about what it's like to actually go from the U.S. back to China and the whole process, which you've hinted at, it was is going to be quite different. So I really appreciate the time today, and I hope you're staying safe because I know right now you're you just got back in China and you're currently on quarantine, and we'll go into that on the next one as well. But you know, I wish you best of luck. It's great to hear from you, and you know, I appreciate the time and the uh, the uh, input. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So this has been another episode of International Immersion. Uh, feel free to contact us at, by email at internationalimmersionpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook page or Instagram page of the same name, and we will see you all in the next one. Take care and stay safe.